0: This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Hello, and welcome back to the 343 Podcast. This is another installment of Two Minutes Uninterrupted. On these short episodes, coaches are given two minutes to discuss their coaching philosophy and ideas about the game. After that, we talk about the topics they touched on, and we try to extract at least one gold nugget that you can leave with. The guest on this episode is Ryan Crab, So a big thank you to Ryan for coming on the show. If you want to connect with Ryan, you can find him on Twitter by searching at 7 crab 75 I'll spell that out for you. So it's at 7, the number 7. C-R-A-B-B-E-7-5. So you can find him there. If you enjoy this episode and you are an ambitious coach that is looking for a powerful and proven coaching education program, go check out the 343 Premium Coaching Membership Program. It is a program that has been successfully implemented by coaches of all levels, including the Development Academy, high school, and college I can speak personally from uh, my experience with coaching high school boys and girls and also uh, club soccer, just regular old club soccer, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15-year-olds. Yeah, it works on them too. So you can find uh, you can find the, that program works for just about every single level. Uh, David Copeland Smith, the founder of Beast Mode Soccer, is in his sixth year as a 343 member. He said, and I quote, Honestly, it's worth 10 times the yearly membership. You're not investing in the drills. You're investing in your education, a proven methodology, and a phenomenal community of progressive coaches, end quote. The premium membership program gives you 24-7 access to videos, to eBooks, to audio recordings, and all of that helps you learn the 343 philosophy and methodology. And you can learn more about the benefits of the premium coaching membership program by visiting 343coaching.com. Once again, that is 343coaching.com. All right, I hope that you enjoy this episode of Two Minutes Uninterrupted with Ryan Crabb. Okay, so uh, so here we go. So two minutes uninterrupted from Ryan Crab. Go for it.
1: Well, I would like to uh, t- talk about my coaching philosophy uh, for a little bit. I believed when I had teams, uh, my approach was to develop teams that were um, that worked hard, that were excelled at defending, and valued possession of the ball. And my approach to getting there with the individual players was to work on developing players that were technically proficient with both feet, Um, players that had a good understanding of attacking and defending from their respective position and uh, players that individually valued possession of the ball regardless of what position they played on the field. And I believed that that was the approach that I I really wanted to take with players because I wanted to have players that could play a multiple – different positions on the field Um, if they ever left and moved on from any teams that I was coaching um, I wanted every player on the field to feel like they were involved in both sides of the game as a two-way player both attacking and defending and I didn't want players to feel stigmatized as being a defender or just an attacker but I wanted all the players to feel like they had a part in everything that the team did on both sides of the ball and finally I feel like um the, the idea of valuing possession of the ball just comes down to the fact that if we could be great at keeping possession of the ball, we control the narrative of the game. Um, and along with that, being great at defending, I seconds. always encourage players that um, the quicker we can win possession of the ball, the longer we can have possession of the ball.
0: All right. Is that it? That's it. Perfect. With some, with some extra time to spare i like it um all right so, pitch. yeah that's perfect no that's the that's part of the that's part of the gig here is uh getting coaches to kind of get their ideas out in, a, in an organized fashion as as fast as possible i think a lot of times coaches think that they uh they have all the right answers and then when they get put on the spot to answer and they're like oh maybe i maybe i need to think about this so that was kind of the genesis of the idea uh, to do this um but let's uh, let's learn a little bit more about you. Where, where are you from? What ages do you typically, or are you coaching right now? How long you've been coaching for? Tell me tell me a little bit about you.
1: Well, I grew up in the Atlanta area, um, and I played from the early '80s through college soccer in Georgia at the Division II level in the early '90s. Um, and then I had a few knee injuries in college, and I, actually, my first coaching job came when I was a sophomore in college when I redshirted. Uh, for the knee injury that came out and that kind of where is where I kind of got the uh, the bug for coaching um, there was a middle school next door to our university and they were looking for someone that could coach their 6th and 7th grade team for the fall season and pretty much just took off from there um, and then I moved back to the Atlanta area in the uh, late 90s early 2000s started coaching at the club level um, for some of the, uh, the bigger clubs in the Atlanta area and, and at that point you know, is working with anywhere from three to five teams per week, and you're running close to 10 sessions a week, and you really just, that's where you really start to immerse yourself in, in growing as a coach, is the more time you're on the field with players, you can figure out what ideas work, what don't work, and um, and you really start to, uh, to, to learn a lot there. Um, I worked a lot of soccer camps in the Southeast. And then I went on to coach at the college level and um, had the good fortune to work at the Division One, Division Two, and Division Three level. So I feel like I got to learn a lot about uh, the needs of student athletes and how to coach different players at different levels um, in that in that experience. And it is very different, even though it's the same game. There's, there's a very different approach to to how players and student athletes approach the game at those various uh, university levels. Um, and then I moved back to Atlanta, the Atlanta area in 2013 and was an assistant director at a, uh, at a large girls club here in, in town for a while and actually stepped away from coaching full-time two years ago as my uh, three boys got a bit older and I returned to coaching this past spring with a U6 recreational team coaching my <laughs> youngest son.
0: That's awesome.
1: So that's the, that's the trajectory.
0: That's awesome, man. Uh, you mentioned something that that's actually, um, it's actually really important, and I think that, that a, lot of, a lot of coaches need to hear this, is that you you said you were at one point coaching 10 sessions per week. And yep. that, that also, I'm assuming, probably came with multiple games on the weekends. And the just the number of repetitions per week for a coach is, is something that is very, very overlooked. And so if you think about it, if a, if a new coach is coaching a, a fairly new team as well, um only gets two sessions per week over the course of a season okay let's see so two sessions a week that's 4 weeks per month 8 8 sessions uh yeah like 8 sessions a month uh season is 3 to 4 months so you're looking at you know 24 sessions um you know per season but what you were getting was 10 sessions per week so that's 40 sessions per month 80 100 and yeah 120 100 maybe 160 sessions per season right so just the sheer number of repetitions that you got with each exercise and things like that it it, it is a massive massive um boost to your own development as a coach and we don't think about coaching development in that sense of that you need repetitions with all these exercises and things as well in order to get better and perfect your message to really get down to the to the nitty-gritty of the details and understanding of the exercises so i love that you said that man that's really really important for coaches to to hear and to understand
1: well and i think the big takeaway also was when you develop you know some of the activities or if you're you know if you you steal an activity from someone else, and then you have to apply it. You know what may work for one person based on their group of players or their communication skills. You have to really learn how to work, make it work for yourself. And um, and and you know what I also learned was how to really simplify the train sessions rather than feeling like, you know, we had to cram every aspect into the, of the game into 90 minutes of training. Instead, it was sometimes it was a little bit of a warm up, and then it might be the same activity for. 55, 60 minutes of the session, but it was just tweaking the activity as you go along, adapting to what the players are, you know, how they're responding to the conditions, and um, you know, get it, giving them time to to play and to work out some of the problems in that activity, rather than thinking, well, I've got a 90-minute session, we've got to warm up, we've got to, we've got to do some agility, we've got to do some technical work, we've got to do some possession work, we've got to work on some finishing, and then we've got to try to play a some sort of a small sided or you know full sided game at the end and you look and you're like well great we just spent maybe 10 to 12 minutes at most in each of those activities plus the amount of time it takes them to get from their water jugs back to the activity itself when you do take those to- sorts of stops
0: no it's it's important you're, you 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 have to go off script to to get the real value out of it like if you just stick to the uh, the warm-up, uh, technical, tactical game type of uh, you know structure that U.S. Soccer put out for for years and years and years. Yeah, if if you stick to if you stick to that, you don't you don't really get as much out of it as as you probably can or should with uh, with with every team. And and a lot of coaches, yeah, they they think, oh, okay, like you know, we spent 15 minutes doing this. Time to move on. Like, no, probably not. Like you probably would benefit from spending 15, 20, 25 more minutes doing that same exact thing and letting the kids really find the routine and the rhythm and, and, and the getting familiar with the exercise and actually learning it instead of being interrupted when um, they're probably. One of the
1: things that I, I learned from a, um, a mentor of mine in the game was, no, it's okay to repeat the same activity at multiple training sessions. Don't 1000%. feel like you have to throw something brand new at your players because then you, as the coach, end up just teaching an activity versus coaching the players. Yep. And those are two distinctly different things. Yep. Um, you know, you start working on restrictions or rules or whatever boundaries that the activity itself has, and the players haven't really learned anything about playing the game. They're just learning the activity. Yep. And we have to break through that phase at some point.
0: I agree, one hundred percent, man. Um, you, you mentioned something else that I that I really liked, and I wanted to touch on before uh, before we before we wrap up is that you wanted every individual player on the on the on the field to value possession and so having that that collective mentality or that that mentality um in every single player on the field is a very, very important component to possession soccer. So it's, it's not like the ball gets into one area of the field or to, to one certain player. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, abandon ship. It's like, no, everybody on the field understands that, you know, this is the, the overarching idea. Like we need, we need to keep the ball. So, um, Number one, I, I, I guess, that, or my first question would be, when did you recognize that that was something that you wanted to instill in your players? And number two, what were some of the things that you started to use in, in order to instill that in your players?
1: Well, I think from a, like a personal philosophy, I think it was something that was always there just because of the influences I had growing up. Um, I was fortunate to play for my high school coach who really encouraged us to follow you know, be a part of the game and and be a part of the possession part of the game. Um, It was when I was working with uh, Rich Manning at the University of Utah that really that being able to um, be a lot more clear and concise about that idea really came into play Um, because I realized when I was coaching with Rich, we were playing in the Pac-12 and in the women's game and we're playing against, you know, players that have international... And World Cup experience from a variety of different countries and you know we had to come up with an identity as a as a team or program and we wanted to say we want to be great with the ball at our feet we want to try every day to be great at keeping the ball because that's how we're going to be competitive against these the UCLA's and the USC's and the Stanford's and the Cal Berkeley's of the world is we're not going to do well just chasing them around all day so let's try to find something that we can do well And it was really at that time that I was able to pinpoint how I felt and be able to communicate that to players and really kind of streamline and polish that idea of it. And and in in a way of getting there is, you know, every player in in training and in the games has a responsibility to look for ways to either be a threat and dangerous in the possession buildup where it's if we can get play vertically and if we can attack or if we show patience and we have to, you slow down the buildup a uh, a little bit at times. Um, You know, I tried to get players to understand that the phrase that gets so commonly used speed of play can, can mean playing fast or slow or medium. It's whatever the, the moment dictates. And, you know, it's, it's just part of the idea of playing simple. It's whatever the situation allows. If you can impose yourself on the opponent, go for it. If you need to be patient and if you need to just maintain possession, then, that's
0: the right decision in that moment dude i I love what you're saying and and what comes to mind is um a few weeks ago i gave i gave my guys the example of of my favorite move that Neymar does because a lot of people think it's like the the sombrero and, and and like all the the scissors and the stepovers and stuff like that but my favorite move that Neymar does is he just sits there and puts his foot on the ball and he just stands still and he just he completely brings the game to to a stop and people don't understand you know the the how valuable that really is in that moment like they think he's being like a show-off or something like that it's like absolutely not like he he is he is demonstrating total control of the game at that at that moment and and all of his teammates know exactly what's going to happen next and and i i just think it's beautiful And, and so i gave that example to my to my guys the other day it's like hey it doesn't need to be 100 miles an hour all the time, like it, right. and, and like you said, like sometimes it's fast, sometimes it's slow, sometimes it's medium, sometimes it's right in the middle, and, and I think that that's really important for for coaches to to give some thought to. So I'm really happy you brought that up, man.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Well, I uh, you know I think you, you know you just give players confidence that they can all be a part of that part of the game because I and I spent a lot of time in the club game when I moved back to Atlanta coaching at the youth or teenage groups. I would get. I would stay in the same age group and just get a new team each year. And one of the big things about that age group at that time was the players were transitioning from playing most of them hadn't played very many 11-a-side games. So they were having to come into it with more teammates on the field, more opponents on the field, more more space to deal with. And you know, not and we're starting to get into formations and different positions and you know, ideas of tactics and and trying to get the players to see that You know, if I can play three or four different positions as a 12- or 13-year-old player, my confidence individually and my value to whatever team I'm on in the future is going to greatly increase as well. And in order to be able to play multiple positions on the field, you've got to be technically proficient with both feet. You've got to have the ability to attack and defend anywhere. If you're playing as a forward in a three-front or as a sixth or as a left-back, whatever your position if I'm the center back and I've got the ball and I'm unmarked, I've got to be the one who initiates the attack and the buildup. I'm the playmaker at that moment. So I, I really wanted players to to learn and develop those traits when I got them at that younger age group.
0: Super cool, man. I I, I love everything that you've said, and, and it sounds like you uh... – Sounds like you. Sounds like your players are super lucky to have you as a coach. Just based off the the short conversation that we had. Um, where uh, where can people connect with you on on social media, or, or if you have a blog or something like that, where you share ideas, or a YouTube channel. Where uh, Where can people learn more about you?
1: On uh, Twitter, I, I changed my handle. It's now seven crab c r a b d e seventy five. That's probably the the easiest way. And sometimes I get myself into some rants sometimes. So just just be careful.
0: One one more time. What was the what was the Twitter handle? Seven, like seven. The number seven or the word?
1: The number seven. Okay. And then uh, my last name, Crab C-R-A-B-B-E, and then seven five. The number seven five.
0: Okay, seven Crab seven five on Twitter. Uh, if people want to connect with with Ryan, if people want to you know continue the conversation with you about any of the topics that you brought up, uh, they can they can reach you there. Ryan, uh, I really appreciate your time, man, and I, I wish you all the luck uh, with their with your U sixes. That sounds like an exciting uh, an exciting project, man.
1: Yes, indeed, yes, indeed. Well, I appreciate you, uh, you giving a call, and I hope uh, I hope someone finds a little bit of valuable content in this, this talk today.
0: All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast and a big thank you to our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. I also want to leave you with one note from one of our members of the 343 coaching education program. His name is Thomas and he's been a member for quite a while. And this is what he had to say. If you want to play insanely good with your team and start to understand the possession and positional game, this will give you a head start. I have tried the material on three ordinary teams, and after a year, they totally dominate the local teams. After two years, they are among the best in the region. The Program 343 offers is not a complicated curriculum. It's actually simpler than you might think. But instead of more, you have to go deep in every detail. Thomas, thank you so much for that beautiful review, and I hope that everybody else finds that valuable. If you want more information about the 343 Coaching Education Program, the program that helps support and fund this podcast, you can visit 343coaching.com. All right. We'll catch you guys next time here on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening.